This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome to the radio and internet ministry of the Christian Crusaders. When frustrations and disappointments in life threaten to overwhelm us, we may face despair. We may even feel like God has abandoned us and consequently seek solitude from others. However, a person in the Gospels can help us learn the importance of stationing himself in the right places during those days. Please join us for today's inspiring message, Get a Grip on Your Faith. Every so often, you might hear a person say, I need to get a grip on that. Might be talking about finances or priorities or prayer. Today, we're starting a new series entitled, Get a Grip. Stay with us as we consider how to get a grip on faith. We begin the service in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Almighty and merciful God, we praise you this day for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We thank you for the promise to be with us to the end of the age. By the power of your Holy Spirit today, Lord, help us to get a grip on our faith as we study scripture together. Amen. Our reading for today is from John chapter 20, beginning at verse 19. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them that day when Jesus came. So the other disciples told Thomas, We've seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Don't doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. Dear friends, a mother was busy cooking supper in the kitchen and asked her five-year-old son to go into the pantry to get her a can of tomato soup. 
The little boy was afraid of the dark and didn't want to go in there. He pleaded his case, Mommy, I'm scared. Mother responded, Johnny, be a big brave boy and just walk in and get it. I need it right away for this food I'm preparing. Johnny repeated his fear, Mommy, I'm too scared to go in there by myself. So his mother used a different approach. It's okay. Jesus will be in there with you. Now you go and get mother the soup. Johnny went to the door and opened it slowly. When he peeked inside, it was dark and he was scared. His hands trembled, but an idea popped into his little head. He said, Jesus, if you're in there, would you hand me that can of tomato soup? At times, it is difficult to believe that Jesus is in there, isn't it? It's not unusual for us to go through moments and seasons of frustration in our lives and even have some doubt in the walk of faith. I'm sure that many of you can even identify with these words that a man once spoke to Jesus. I believe. Help my unbelief. There are a variety of reasons for this kind of struggling that goes on, as you know. It might be despair over situations that are overwhelming us, or it might be a sense of what's wrong with this world that looks so dark and threatening and out of control and filled with pain and evil. It might be disappointment over the way things are turning out in your life. You look to God for some answers and he didn't respond the way that you'd hoped. Perhaps it's physical or emotional suffering that either you're going through or a loved one is going through. It could also be caused by peers whom you run with that are skeptics and cynics and unbelievers themselves, and that can cause a person to struggle with faith. The question is, what do you do with those moments, those seasons? How do you get a grip on your faith? And we have a story before us today from the Gospel of John that I have found to be helpful. First, notice it's it's a good news story. A resurrection story announcing that Jesus is alive. He was dead, but now he's showing himself to be alive to those disciples in the upper room, transformed in some way, able to go through locked doors and suddenly appear to his disciples. And he took away their fears and gave them peace as he showed them his hands and sides so that they know he's the same one crucified on the cross, now alive. He came to assure them of his forgiveness for them for how they ran out on him and and to give them an important commission to tell the good news to the world so all might believe and be saved. It's a good news story. That's what happens in the first half of it. Good news. But we find out at the end that Thomas wasn't there. He didn't have the opportunity to experience the risen Jesus. He'd, He'd gone off by himself, withdrew from the fellowship of the others. We don't know why he wasn't there in the upper room. He was off by himself. Perhaps we can surmise some reasons like, you know, past mentions of him in John's gospel. That We know that Thomas was a bit of a melancholy personality. He, he was one of those glass half empty instead of half full type of guys. He didn't hesitate to question Jesus when he didn't understand and to look for the worst. Perhaps he was feeling disappointed and even a bit angry as he grieved over the death of of Jesus. He had such high hopes. He'd thrown in his whole life to follow this guy, and now those hopes had been dashed. Where were you, God? He might have questioned. 
He could have been feeling a bit of guilt as well. He'd run out on Jesus and deserted him in his hour of need. It could have been despair. He'd seen the worst in human behavior in the people that destroyed Jesus. Such darkness and sinfulness in human beings can do that to a person. Give us a sense of hopelessness for the world. Maybe Thomas had just plain given up. Maybe he's thinking to himself, I think I was wrong about Jesus. Surely you can empathize with him. When things go wrong and it's too much to bear, we find ourselves feeling like running off sometimes, curling up into a little ball to grieve and lick our wounds alone. We isolate ourselves and we stay away from worship. We steer clear of it, not wanting people to see how miserable we are. We're afraid to fall apart in front of them or we're wondering what's the point of it anyway. We keep our distance and we shut down relationally. All of these things could have been factors behind his missing being with them during that first appearance. We can't say for certain, but we do know that he wasn't there the evening of that first Easter. And it's really unfortunate when you think about it. It looked like he was going to have to go through another whole week of living with his doubts and disappointments. But then again, he really didn't have to. We learn from the next part of this story that his friends, the other disciples, took Jesus' commission seriously and made their first attempt at witnessing with their friend Thomas that they had seen the Lord, that he's alive. But their first attempt at sharing the good news met with skepticism and unbelief on Thomas's part. He wasn't buying it. He rolled his eyes as they talked, I imagine, thinking to himself, this has got to be just wishful thinking on their part. They just miss him so much they want him to be alive. They're they're delusional. They're they're caught up in their grief and being unrealistic. Dead is dead. So Thomas replies, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger in the mark of the nails, and my hand in his side where he was pierced by the spear, I will not believe. Well, fortunately, that's not the end of the story. A week later Thomas was with the others as they gathered in the house behind shut doors. I figure that the other disciples talked him into coming back that day to join them. They might have even physically come and escorted him to the get-together out of their love for him. Sometimes it takes just that. So I say, way to go, guys. Anyway, he joined them, and boy, was he glad he did. Jesus appeared out of nowhere again, saying, Peace be with you. Just as he had promised he would in the upper room the night before his crucifixion, he said, I give you peace. And before Thomas could find anything to say, Jesus looks him in the eye and repeats Thomas's statement from a few days earlier, word for word. Here, put your finger in my nail prints and your hand in my side. Don't doubt, but believe. Thomas gasped. How, how could Jesus know I said that? And then it hit him. Jesus was there. When the disciples came to Thomas and and told him they had seen the Lord, he was there. He really is alive. And the next thing we see is Thomas dropping to the floor on his knees, exclaiming, My Lord and my God, the first person in John's gospel to call Jesus that, Lord and God. The flame of faith burned brightly now within Thomas from that day forward, his faith was revived, renewed. Church tradition tells us that 
Thomas hit the mission field full blast with great enthusiasm, going first to what we call today Iraq and then to Iran and eventually to India, where he died a martyr's death for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Folks, the same Jesus that met Thomas in the upper room and revived his faith is still available to you and me to help us get a grip on our faith. Isn't it interesting how Jesus responds to Thomas' statement of faith? He says, you believe because you've seen me. Blessed are those who have not seen and come to believe. And blessed equals uh, God blesses those. God blesses those who have, who have not seen and come to believe. Jesus here is really talking to you and to me in this statement. Those of us who come onto the scene later. Those who can't physically see Jesus, but still believe in him. Because we can have encounters with the risen Christ in our own faith journeys. A takeaway from this Thomas story that I, that I take from it is this. An important truth in the walk of faith is where you station yourself matters. To let the presence of Christ and his grace touch your life, station yourself in the places that he's promised to meet you. This story of Thomas points us to the value of stationing yourself in the community of faith, especially when you're despondent. In our moments of depression and doubt, we might need our moments of solitude, true, but we also need hours with people, fellow believers who can come alongside of us and encourage us. Remember, Jesus said, where two or three are gathered, there am I in the midst of them. And we see in this story, then, the danger of withdrawing from the community of faith. Thomas missed out on Jesus. We can so easily err in our thinking that when we're alone, separated from other believers, that we can find some healing on our own, but it's not true. When we're isolated, our minds can play tricks on us, and we lay ourselves open to Satan himself, who sees us at our weak moment and makes it a point of deceiving us and playing with our doubts. We begin to believe the sun will never shine again, and we're filled with doubt, and we become defeated. And we despair. It happens. I've seen it. I found a little illustration that I think is quite helpful. Uh, out of Scotland, uh, a man has stopped coming to church. He knew the pastor would soon be calling on him to inquire why. Finally, one day, the minister did show up at the front door, and the man invited him in, and the two sat by the fire. They made small talk, and the man wondered when the discussion would turn to his church attendance. As the conversation dwindled off, the pastor took the tongs by the fireplace and reached into the fire and took a white-hot coal and set it out in front of the fire. The two taciturn Scots sat there smoking their pipes and sipping their tea, and minutes passed in silence. And The coal, of course, cooled to red-hot, and slowly the Color began to fade, and finally it became black. A wisp of smoke signaled that the fire was out, and the man realized this was an object lesson. Yes, Pastor, he said, I'll be at church on Sunday. 
The coals burned brightly while they were together, but when one gets removed it could not long sustain the heat, and it went out. So we need the fellowship of one another in the church. You can also station yourself in the Word and sacraments. Interestingly, John throws in a little editorial statement after the Thomas story. He says, Now, Jesus did many other signs that are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. You see, John and the disciples had come to understand the power of the word of God to feed their faith, that, that Christ was, they would encounter Christ in the word. We receive God's grace in Christ, you see, as we open our Bibles and read and study his words. I can't emphasize enough how important it is that you station yourself in the word if you want to encounter the grace of God in Christ. Read these Gospels of Matthew and Mark and Luke and John and read them again and again and again and get to know him. Let him walk with you and talk with you. I love that statement. Feed your faith and your doubts will starve to death. Feed your faith with the word. Then there's a sacrament of the Lord's Supper. You meet him there. He's promised us that. We hear the words, this is my body given for you. This is my blood shed for you. Because he's present in the bread and wine, we taste him, touch him, smell him, hear his words of love and assurance and are reminded we're not alone, that we are forgiven. And finally, finally, station yourself in the company of the world's needy. For Jesus promised to meet us there. You might wonder, where did he promise that? We find it in Matthew 25, the parable of the sheep and the goats. Jesus said, I was hungry and you fed me, thirsty and you gave me drink, a stranger you welcomed me in prison and you visited me. Truly I tell you, as you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. Service is an amazing instrument for staying close to Jesus. You'll meet him face to face. Friend, if you are someone who is struggling with your doubts and seeking to get a grip on your faith, know this. Jesus does love you. He longs for you to believe in him. He went to the cross and he rose again to have a relationship with you. And he's calling you this day through his word to make a commitment to station yourself in the right places, and he will meet you there. That's the way to get a grip on faith. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we believe. Help our unbelief. You know how life circumstances can sometimes chip away and erode our faith in you and cause us to doubt. Help us to be disciplined and to stay stationed in the right places to meet the risen Jesus and have our faith strengthened by him. Amen. Now as you go on your way, may Christ go with you, and he will. May he go before you to show you the way, behind you to encourage you, beside you to befriend you, above you to watch over, and within you to give you his peace. Amen. You have been worshiping with the radio and internet ministry of the Christian Crusaders. We pray today's message has helped you learn how to get a grip on your faith 
as you remember how much Jesus loves you and longs for you to believe in Him. Christian Crusaders is a nonprofit, listener-supported ministry dedicated to serving the spiritual needs of those unable to attend worship in the church of their choice and all others who have need to listen. Estate gifts, large and small, have become a significant part of this ministry and enable us to enlarge our broadcast area. We now broadcast over 27 radio stations in 11 states, as well as on shortwave in Europe, satellite radio, and over the World Wide Web at christiancrusaders.org and oneplace.com. For information on how to include Christian Crusaders in your will, contact our office at 1-888-693-2484. We thank all who support this ministry with their prayers and gifts. We invite you to visit us on the Internet. Be sure to share Christian Crusaders with a friend, relative, or neighbor. By making more people aware of this ministry, we can share the word and spread the light of the gospel so no one walks in darkness. Our internet address is www.christiancrusaders.org. We are happy you chose to worship with us this day, and we pray you will join us again next Sunday on this station. Conducting our service has been our speaker, the Reverend Steve Kramer, Senior Pastor of Shepherd of the Valley Lutheran Church in Afton, Minnesota, and speaker on Christian Crusaders, now in its 81st year of continuous Sunday worship broadcasting.